the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. The number is 303-873-1935. You probably by now have heard that the the school board in Douglas County has uh, decided to fire their superintendent um, after allegations of a private ultimatum teacher protest. Now, in Douglas County, the school board voted four to three in a special meeting last Friday to fire Corey Wise, according to some news outlets without cause. But again, we have to ask and answer the question. When the when popular media is drawing the conclusion that Corey Wise is is dismissed without cause. Um, He has two years left on his contract. Um, It's asking and answering the question of the, of the conservative school board members who said we were voted by our constituency because we don't want to go down the critical race theory road, we're done with it. In other words, there was a growing group of parents who said, you know what? I don't want critical race theory taught to my children. So several of these um, school district um, elected officials campaigned on the promise that we don't think that critical race theory best represents reality and other diversity initiatives. One board member said it's more about finding someone who better aligns um, a member of the school board. It's just what we want with this district is different, different from what critical race theory. So the, the vote followed allegations from the board's liberal minority that the conservative members were making an ultimatum in secret to either resign or be fired by the vote. And of course, the allegations sparked outrage in the community and a thousand teachers, district staffers protested in support of wise. And so again, we've got this deeply divided world in which we're living where we're trying to ask and answer the question, what are we going to do? Now, some people don't seem to take the ideological issue as seriously as I think some people should. So, you know, we've talked a lot about critical race theory in the past. And what is that? Remember, it's 
criticism has been described as the application of principles or values in order to make judgments for the purpose of bringing about change or positive change. So we we know about art critics and music critics. So what is critical theory? Well, it's a school of thought that stresses the examination and critique of society and culture, drawing from knowledge across the social sciences and philosophies. Its purpose is to try and explain, according to them, the circumstances <clears throat> that allegedly enslave human beings. So critical race theory is the idea that the world is basically divided into oppressors and the oppressed. And again, here we have it manifesting like little ulcerations in our culture. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Chris, welcome to the program. Gino, you there? I am. Brother. I got a question that just occurred to me this morning in my Bible study, and it may never have occurred to you, but but you're a pastor, so maybe it has, but I never heard anyone talk about this. So we know that in heaven there is no sin nature, right? Correct. So think about the Haiti, okay, the rich man Lazarus, Abraham's bosom. Right. Okay. You got Hades on one side the Gulf, and you have Abraham and Lazarus. Did Abraham and Lazarus on the paradise side still have a sin nature? It, that's crazy. just well, the, occurred to me this morning. Yeah, the, the way that I would answer that is... Did they? When you go to heaven, you enter into a glorified state. Right. So when you ask and you answer the question... Is, do do you have a sin nature? I think that the answer is found in First John chapter three, where it says, "Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, or lavished upon us, that we should be called the sons of God." Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now we're the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears—that's Jesus—we will be like Him. But before Jesus was resurrected. On the paradise side, do you think they still had their sin nature or not? I don't know. I'm going to suggest to you that death sort of crystallizes whatever nature you have. So if we ask and we answer the question, are sinners who have rejected God and Christ and the gospel, do they retain their sin nature in the sense of rebellion? What about Abraham? Well, Abraham, of course— is in the place of the righteous dead. He's righteous. And so, Did so, he still have a sin nature until Jesus came? No, no, and no. And the reason why I say no, no, and no is because the presence or the absence of the sin nature isn't based on the coming or the going of Jesus, but rather on the implementation of the promise that God has given. And so Paul argues in the book of Romans about this very subject that that God justified Abram by faith. So he this took is the, away his sin nature in paradise. Well, I'm going to suggest to you um, that, that, that Abram's, he is justified by faith 
and God justifies him based on Abraham's belief in God's promise. And so in in chapter 4 verse 3 it says for what says the scripture? What does the what does the Bible say? What what do the scriptures say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now you that word righteousness you and I are righteous right now, but we still have the same nature. Yes, in this sense, in on this side of eternity, righteousness means accepted by God. So, to your point, do we have a sin nature as human beings this side of eternity? Well, did Abraham have, still have a sin nature in paradise? No, that that's not possible. Okay, thank you. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah, but. yeah, it's not possible that Abraham would have a sin nature in, in paradise, paradise right. because this is the place of the righteous dead. Okay, right. All right, thank you, brother. Hey, you are welcome. Hey, interesting question. Three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. That's the number. We have another call. Did you say, Jim? Okay. Let me be clear. <laughs> the sin nature is that part of what it means to be a human being that makes us rebel against God. In the place of the righteous dead or in the place of the eternal state, will there be rebellion against God? And so my answer is no. There is not rebellion in, in the place of the righteous dead. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This has got to be Babylon B stuff. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Mike, welcome to the program. Hello, Gino. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, you're welcome. Great. Uh, just a question. Uh, how do uh, parents, as believers, how do we with children in the public school system, teenage children, guide our children uh, through um, what I believe is the uh, pronoun, you know, phenomenon that's sure. currently the pronoun. The, the yes. How do we help them? This is a very, very good question because I, I want to be very, very careful how I answer this question. The first thing, the, the first thing I want to say is. We as Christians absolutely, positively aren't teaching our children, hopefully, to be disrespectful. We we hopefully teach our children to be compassionate, careful, and respectful. So, so we have to ask a different question, part of a different question. And the part of the different question is, is it disrespectful to tell the truth? No, of course not. So when a person says, I, if I said to you, I am a biological male who identifies as a female, so I want you to call me Gina. Now, I, I'm tr- trying not to be facetious. What I'm trying to, to say is, is it helpful or is it harmful to participate in a lie? Well, it's, it's always harmful to participate in a lie. And the, the tightrope that we're trying to teach our kids to walk 
is is and I'm going to use the words uh, inclusion and exclusion in a probably a manner that's not normally used by society because once we start to exclude individuals, then then we lose our opportunity to save souls to Christ to the Lord. So um, the inclusion statement I made isn't that we should be inclusive of of a falsehood, uh, but at some point, we need to still have uh, a channel of communication open uh, for our children to uh, shine the light of the Lord into these lives that are affected by whatever this may be considered. Yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah and I don't want to dismiss what you're saying, because I actually agree with you. We're, we're in a situation where we're to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. How do we do that? How do we retain exactly what you just said? How do we retain our mission to lost people for the sake of Jesus? Um, But again, it's asking, and yeah, is it unfair and inappropriate for someone to demand that other people use words they prefer? Now, we understand that unbelievers can't be expected to act like believers. That's what it says in First Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. Um, and so, conceding the use of preferred pronouns, some people could argue. Like I think, in part, you're arguing is that this gives us an opportunity to go the extra mile. So, so would I say that you positively? absolutely have to do this or not do this. Some of my friends have said, you know, rather than say he, she, or blah, 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 tell me your name and I'll call you by your name. Now, if the person, like, let's say we're talking with Caitlin versus Bruce, um, Jenner, and, and we say, you know, it's it's hard to abandon pronouns, especially if you've grown up in a world where pronouns are pronouns. And, you know, if you speak another language, you understand that there's case-sensitive things that just don't make it possible. So if a person's name is Charles and they want to be called Chuck, I don't care. If a person is, you know, their birth name is Bruce and they want to go by Caitlin, I don't think I care. But again... Part of the challenge that we have is the challenge you're bringing up. How do we weigh being reasonable and contending for the faith, accommodating others with dignity, respect, and compassion, but all the while not succumbing to some sort of philosophical worldview um, that just simply isn't true. That's where I'm stuck. No, no, and I you can probably tell from my conversation with you, there's no good answer. Um, but again, when we ask and we answer the question about God, do, is God literally a, a a genetic male or a female? The, the reason why we we call him him is because Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Say, our father, not our mother. He says, our father who art in heaven. 
So for those who dogmatically want to call God her or she um, or Zim or, you know, whatever, I, I have some real problems with that. Because, again, it's the misrepresentation in order to make a point. Now, to your point, we live in a fallen world. In a fallen world, sin complicates and confuses what God has otherwise made clear. But again, to your point, the Bible is very clear that we're to be loving, caring, and peaceable. As wise as serpent and gentle as doves, that's uh that's an absolute truth and I can I can I can go forward with that. Right. And so part of uh, yeah, we you know, we go forward and and again we 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 literally don't try to antagonize people with our speech. Agreed. I I wish, you know, I have a talk show. I'm sure that I say stuff that antagonizes people. But I really am trying. I really am trying to. And, and I, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. Please no, no, on. no. You can go ahead. I, I was going to say, and, and I'm, we are so very grateful for you speaking for my family and, and my believing friends. We're so very grateful for your ministry, and God bless your heart. Well, thank you, and um, because we know that words matter. And see, this is part of the the, the thing that we're we're tossing on its head. Because we live in a world where they imbue the words with new meaning and, you know, this sort of deconstruction. But, again, where the balance of these concern falls at any given moment is for each of us to prayerfully and carefully consider and just go, hey— Lord, help me. How can I navigate this minefield all the while honoring you, but at the same time doing what Paul told us to do? So far as it's within your power, live at peace with all people. And I'm glad he says so far as it's within your power, because God help us. Sometimes it's not in your power. Somebody takes it away from you, and you don't get to decide. That is the truth. It, well, you've given me a lot to consider here, and uh, I really appreciate that. You know, um, again, your ministry has been a, a real blessing to my family, and uh, I've been listening for many years. And I'm uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Hey, thank you, and I pray I pray I pray that God will give you wisdom and me wisdom, and wisdom from above is first of all pure and then peaceable and gentle. And again, I don't mean this as a cliche. God help us. Yeah, amen. Hey, thank you for your call. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks so much for joining us. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Angela, welcome to the program. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you for taking my call. You know, I 
I've been struggling with this question for so long and so many years, and I just have to ask, how do I get my husband to realize not to be so mad at God and to forgive himself and forgive God? Years ago, he lost his daughter to um, a very uh, illness, very bad illness, spina, um, I can't, not spina bifida, but it, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, she died at eight months, and then his son just committed suicide nine years ago. We're celebrating his nine-year anniversary. So his whole part of his beginning of his life, his first wife died, are gone. They're wiped. They're gone. And the only children we have are my three children that are his kids, too. But um, he is so mad, and he's such a good person. He's loving and giving, and but things continually keep happening to him. And he doesn't understand why, and I tell him he needs to forgive himself. He needs to, you know, forgive God. God didn't do this thing. You know, this wasn't God. You gotta, we gotta get him counseling, and he don't want to go to counseling, and and he doesn't want to. I just need to get him over that forgiveness to understand it yeah. wasn't God. You know, and and again, I think that there's several ways to think about your question, and. Obviously, you know him, and I don't know him. Um, you know, you, it sounds like he may be angry with God. Um, he might be frustrated with God. If I give him the benefit of the doubt and say, well, maybe he's not angry with God. Maybe he's frustrated. Or, you know, how how do we deal with bitterness or resentment or even hatred? Um and again, it sounds to me like he's ma- made a very huge effort, if you will, to not allow bitterness and resentment and hatred to consume him. And so it, it might be p- part of a perspective where you go, okay, like you just indicated earlier, you said he's a good guy. He's a generous guy. He's a loving, selfless guy who loves you. And... um but I, I guess th- we we do you have access to a computer? I do. If you get a chance, not right now. Well, not I you do. don't have to go right now. But if you go to gotquestions.org, dot org, there's uh-huh. a there's an interesting article that we have called "Is it wrong to be frustrated with God?" and the way the article begins is that frustration is that feeling of impatience and anxiety that we get when we think we, we've gotten a raw deal or our needs aren't being met or we seem like we're faced with insurmountable problems. Um, and, and again, what you seem to indicate with, with our conversation is that somehow God could have made it different for his first wife, for his son who tragically took his own life, for all of the tragedies that you describe. And so where you go, you know, God could have made this different. And it may seem to be a trite, almost cliche explanation to say we live in a broken world. We live in a world where sin has hurt us and hurt everyone around us. And um, you'll remember that there was that little story of Mary and Martha where, um, you know, 
Martha wanted to cook a nice meal for Jesus, and Mary decides to sit at the feet of Jesus. And you'll remember she complains, and she says, tell your si- tell my sister to help me. And Jesus says, yeah. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about a lot of things. And he took it as an opportunity to teach a lesson on what it meant to know and love God and to trust God. Now, I don't know how you would characterize your husband's relationship with the Lord. How would you characterize his relationship with the Lord? I don't think he has one. I think he well, tells me that he prays. Well, he tells the, me that... Then that's, that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue isn't all of the other things that you talked about. Because it sounds to me that if he doesn't have friendship and fellowship and a relationship with the Lord, he's never going to have the resources that he needs in order to deal with bitterness or resentment or hatred or anger with God or frustration with God. Because, again, part of the, the challenge for him is how does he get past his own rebellion against God? Yeah. And the way that I would do that is I would take a First Peter chapter 3 approach for you. And the First Peter chapter 3 is admonition for, for wives of how to deal with their unbelieving husbands. And there's a wonderful book. It's called Beloved Unbeliever by Joe Barry. And that might be a good tool for you where... Paul is talking about, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, that if they obey not the word, which sounds like your husband, that they may be one uh, without the word, be, be one by the conversation. That means the lifestyle. It doesn't mean just simply what you say, but how you live when they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. You know, the idea being he's watching you. He's watching you. And I suspect, and I don't mean to, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I suspect you're not a perfect person. No. Is that that true? That's true. Is it true that sometimes just because you're not a perfect person and because you're a human being, that maybe sometimes you misrepresent God? Yes. And what I would do is I would say, I would admit it to him. I would say, you know what? You know me, and I thank God for you, and I thank God that you're my husband. And But what I would say to him is, you know, maybe I haven't perfectly represented Jesus, but I, I would ask him some questions, maybe some hard questions. Like, sweetie, tell me what you really believe. Tell me what you really believe about life and about reality. And, you know, tell me what you really believe about Jesus and heaven and hell. Tell me what you really believe and see if if he'll talk to you. Now, if he won't or if he does, he may re- refer he may return the favor. And say, tell me what you think about all of this. Now, there's 
a sure. really hard question that's sort of a a conversation stopper that once you ask this question you don't get to go any further the question of course is if what you believed isn't wrong or if what you believe is wrong would you want to know and if he answers it he's there's only one of two answers why don't you tell me what the only two options he has with that question if what you believed isn't true, would you want to know? It's either yes or no, isn't it? He, if he says, yeah, yeah he I, I really want to know. Yeah, if he really wants to know, then guess what? You get to tell him. But you've, you've asked permission. Mm-hmm. You've asked permission. And the moment he says yes, that gives you permission to help him think it through in a new and fresh way about what it means to have friendship and fellowship and experience forgiveness and hope. In Jesus. And and again, if you ask the question, are you a sinner? And if he says yes, do you want to experience forgiveness? If he says yes, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? If he says yes, then you need to be able to say, then what prevents you from trusting and believing him completely? Thank you so much. I'm going to start there and I'm going to get that book. Thank you. Hey, thank you. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So glad you could join me on this Monday. Happy to take your call, 303-873-1935. The last caller's question, of course, made me think about a lot of stuff over the break. And um, it makes perfect sense to me that our unbelieving family and friends, they don't have the resources that a believer has. In other words, when the Bible talks about the exceeding great and precious promises, when it talks about the promise that you've been saved from death into life, when it talks about forgiveness of sin and going to heaven, there's probably no more important question than I've ever been asked than that question. How can I be saved? For many people, they don't even know how to answer the question. I remember when someone asked me, are you saved? I remember saying, saved from what? What are you talking about? But what we're talking about is saved from God's wrath and punishment for sins. You see, there are many, many people who don't believe, A, that they're a sinner, or B, that God cares. That God isn't angry with sin, and he's not going to judge sin. So there's a, a number of different ways to ask this question. Who can be saved? What do I need to know to be saved? What does it mean that Jesus saves? But even in asking that question, it deals with this idea of where we're going to spend eternity and how are we going to get from point A to point B. The truth is, 
that there were people who began listening to this program last year in January, and they're not with us anymore. I'm profoundly aware that for some people, this is the last time that I have an opportunity to speak to them. So there's nothing more important than where you're going to spend eternity. And thankfully, the Bible has an abundantly clear question, uh, answer to this question. The Philippian jailer asks this question of Paul and Silas. He says in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas give this very simple but profound answer. In Acts chapter 16, verse 31, it says, and it says, Paul and Silas responded. So I'm going to suggest to you that this single sentence was said, but I'm also going to suggest to you that Paul and Silas had a whole lot more to say on the subject. But they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And so what do you need to know? Well, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have a sin problem. We're infected with it. We were born with sin. Psalm 51, 5, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In the sense of, there's something wrong and there's something broken. So we're sinners by nature, but we're also sinners by choice. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, it says, Surely there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. The consensus of most people who live on the planet earth, they're willing to concede, <laughs> They're, they're willing to at least acknowledge, I'm only human. And of course, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So for the person who says, I don't have that problem. Sin is what makes us unsaved. Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what has us on the path to destruction. You know, for the person who's on the path of destruction, if you ask them this question, hey, what do, no, very rarely has anyone called and said, what do I need to do to go to hell? If someone did call me and ask me that question, I would just simply say, nothing. There's nothing you have to do. All you have to do is just continue doing what you're doing. So because of our sin, we deserve to die, according to the Bible. Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And you know what's interesting to me? The wages of sin is going to be promptly paid at some point. Everyone dies. The physical consequence of sin may be physical death, but that's not the only kind of death that results from sin. Sin ultimately is committed against an eternal and an infinite God. 
because of that, the just penalty for our sin is also eternal and infinite. So what we need to be saved from sins, what we need to be saved from, from, from is eternal destruction. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 25, 46. These will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So how are you saved? How does God provide that salvation? Well, because the just penalty for sin is infinite and eternal, only God can pay that penalty. He's infinite. He's eternal. God, in his divine nature, doesn't die, cannot die. So God takes on a second nature, a human nature. The second person of the Trinity takes on a second nature, Jesus. God takes on human flesh, lives among us, teaches us. So when the people rejected him and his message, they sought to kill him, and he willingly sacrificed himself, allowing himself to be crucified. And because he was human, he could die. And because he was God, his death had eternal and infinite value, but it also means that he could bring himself back to life. You know, according to the Bible, the Father brought Jesus back to life, and the Holy Spirit brought Jesus back to life, and Jesus brought Jesus back to life. So it's that resurrection that demonstrates that his death was an absolutely sufficient sacrifice for sin. So what do you need? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. That word believe means to trust, rely, cling. God's already done all the work. All you have to offer God is your sin. And all you need to do to receive is faith that the salvation that Jesus offers is real and available to you. And so, the biggest questions, are you a sinner? The answer is yes. Just like I told that lady, do you want forgiveness for your sin? If the answer is yes, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead? If the answer is yes, then are you willing to surrender your life to Jesus? Are you ready to invite him into your heart and into your life? Are you? You can do it now. Just pray that simple prayer. I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I have confidence that he will forgive me. I want my sins forgiven, and I want to have eternal life. So if you prayed that prayer, Father, I give my life to you. I want Jesus in my life. I want Jesus in my life. And guess what? Believe, and you'll be saved. That's all it takes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.